Let's, let's pray and ask for God's help, and we'll pray for the children as they head out as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that you are indeed a wonderful, wonderful God. We pray for these children, please, would they put their trust in their Creator, in their Savior. Help them now as in, their, in their class as we pray. And help us, we pray too. Give us soft hearts and listening ears that we might hear what you have to say to us and that we might respond rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to be thinking uh, this morning about the question, how should we respond to bullies, gossips, and mudslingers? How should we respond to bullies, gossips, and mudslingers? And of course, the Bible tells us very clearly that if we're going to follow the Lord Jesus, some people will oppose us. Uh, we see that in our passage today. If you've got your Bible open in front of you, you'll see from verse 9 that there will be some who do evil against us and who insult us. You see in verse 14 that there will be some who threaten us. In verse 16, we see that there will be some who slander us and speak maliciously against our good behavior in Christ. Not everyone, by any stretch of the imagination, but some will oppose us. I think of the true story of a Christian soldier. Uh, you may well know this story. Um, he was living in barracks with his unit, and every evening uh, before going to bed, he would take out his Bible and read his Bible and pray, not to make a point, uh, just because he knew he needed God's Word, he needed to speak with his father. But of course, living in barracks, nothing gets missed. And so every evening, the others would see this, would mock him, would laugh at him. At one particular evening, uh, one fellow soldier threw a pair of muddy boots in his direction as he tried to read. Or think about a, a Christian teenager I know. Um, a number of years back, uh, she had her school sports day, which had a, a, a gay pride theme attached to it. Um, that meant that everyone was expected to come to the sports day dressed in full rainbow colors to celebrate Pride Month. Um, she decided that as a Christian, she would wear what she would normally wear to uh, a sports day and not rainbow colors, not to protest, not to make a great big point or draw attention to herself, just so that she would be true to being uh, true to her Christian faith. Anyway, as she was running, I think it was the 100 meters, um, her classmates, she was in the outside lane, and her classmates ran alongside her, calling her name, flying pride flags in her face to provoke her. How should we respond to bullies and gossips and mudslingers? Well, I guess there are different schools of thought. Um, firstly, there's the school of vengeance. Uh, which teaches us that we should really give them a taste of their own medicine. Um, you know, get that pair of muddy boots and go and hide it in their bed. See how they like it. Or grab those flags off them and wave it in their faces when their, when their race comes around. See how they like it. 
It's very tempting, isn't it, to enroll in the school of vengeance. Then there's the school of avoidance, which teaches us just to really just keep our mouths shut and our heads down, to laugh it off, to ignore it. If it makes you feel better, print off a picture of their face, put it on your dartboard, but when you're out in public, don't let them see you rise. Don't give them the satisfaction of seeing that, the school of avoidance. But actually, when it comes to bullies and gossips, to those who oppose us, perhaps, God wants us to respond in a very different way. God wants us to enroll in the school of blessing. God wants us to repay evil with blessing. That is a message, I think, that runs right through this passage. I think you see it most clearly in verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. You see in verse 10, if if you've got it in front of you, the call not to retaliate. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. But again, Peter's not just saying don't retaliate, but proactively seek to bless them. Verse 11, positively do good. Seek peace, pursue peace. Pay back the bully with blessing. Do them good. Pray for them. Pray for their well-being. Show them kindness. Seek peace. We're to repay evil with blessing, and we're to do so sincerely. You know, it's very tempting, isn't it? Uh, I suppose because our hearts are deceitful. Uh, Very tempting to do our enemy good whilst wishing them harm or bless uh, them uh, in order to make us look good or perhaps to make them look bad or to pray for them in a way that's really just praying for ourselves. Now, I pray for Bill and I pray that he would see the folly of his way, how he's harmed me, that he would come to me and repent Really, it's just a prayer for vindication. But God says, no, we're to bless our enemy sincerely. That doesn't mean we're never to confront. Sometimes it's right to confront in a godly way. Sometimes it's important to do so. But it is to genuinely seek what is best for them, to pray for them sincerely. So that Christian soldier... Um, He didn't throw the boots back in his fellow soldier's face. He didn't hide them in his bed. He didn't just uh, suck it up and carry on. Actually, he got up early the next morning, cleaned and polished those boots, and put them back in front of the bed of his fellow soldier. Do not repay evil with evil. Repay evil with blessing. But of course, it's important to recognize that this is far, far easier said than done. I actually think that this is possibly one of the hardest commands in the whole Bible. When we're not being opposed, uh, 
it's very easy to perhaps imagine ourselves like that soldier repaying evil with blessing. But of course, when it's us in the moment and we feel the pain of being wronged, it's a different ball game. And so God gives us encouragement, encouragement that we really need to do this. God says, pay your enemy back with blessing so that you too will be blessed. Again, verse 9, if you've got it in front of you. Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. What blessings are, are being spoken of here? Well, I think there are two. Firstly, peace. We know from experience, don't we, that strife is just miserable. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in, in the right. It just is grim. It drains life of its joy. Peace, on the other hand, is wonderful. Peace is life to the full. Peace is, it just gives you a, a, a smile on your face and a spring in your step. God says here that re, re, if you repay evil with blessing, if you guard your tongue, your life is going to be marked on the whole by peace instead of strife. Or as Peter puts it in verse 10, quoting Psalm 34, repaying evil with blessing is for those who love life and who want to see good days. In other words, this is the way to peace and a peaceful life. Of course, it won't always get us there. Our enemy may not repent, but this gives peace the best possible chance. And if we're in the habit of repaying evil with blessing, then our relationships on the whole will tend to be marked by peace instead of strife. Bless those who do evil against us, and we will be blessed. Psalm 34 says, we will love life, we will see good days. This is a good way to live. But not just that blessing. If we do this, we will also experience God's loving care. That's what verse 12 tells us. The reason verse 12 gives us, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. In other words, bless the bully, repay evil with blessing, and God will watch over us. So you think uh, perhaps of the air traffic controller, uh, eyes glued to the radar, uh, watching over the planes that she's uh, tasked with looking after, knowing exactly where they are in the sky at any given moment, orchestrating their flight path, keeping them safe. When we repay evil with blessing, that is how God will be to us. His eyes will be on us, looking out for us, and keeping us safe. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears attentive to our prayers. He will listen to us intently, not, not distracted by something else, not bored by our faltering lips, but fully attentive. What a blessing, what an encouragement to live this way, to repay evil with blessing. 
So that's the first way to respond uh, to bullies, gossips, and mudslingers. We're to repay evil with blessing that we may be blessed. But then secondly, we're to be ready to give them a piece of our, well, not our mind, but ready to give them a piece of our hope. And looking here at verses 13 to 17. I don't know about you, but when someone uh, wrongs you, it can be very easy to default to start to write speeches in your head and to take time planning what we're going to say the next time we see them and crafting carefully worded arguments that will expose their hypocrisy and put them in their place. But rather than preparing to give someone a piece of your mind, Peter says, be prepared to give them a piece of your of your hope. Spend time rehearsing mentally the reason for your hope. Verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So as you think about responding to insults or responding to wrongdoing, don't just spend time thinking about what you're going to do to bless that person. Also make sure you carve out plenty of time to think about what you're going to say in response to the questions that will inevitably come. Because when we repay evil with blessing, people get very, very curious indeed. Why are you helping her? Don't you want to get your own back? Or, listen, I, I'm sorry for throwing those boots. Have you always been religious? What's your story? Good lives provoke questions. And so we'd better be ready with the answers. Why are you helping her? Someone says in response to us repaying evil with blessing. Why are you helping her after what she's done? Well, of course, eh, when I sinned against God, he helped me. Or don't you want to get your own back? Well, yes, part of me does, but when I sinned against God, he didn't get his own back on me, but forgave. Peter says, be ready to give them a piece of your hope. And of course, remembering Peter's follow-up to this, but do this with gentleness and respect. It's really important that we don't win the argument and lose the person. How we speak is just as important as what we say. So what have we said? If we repay evil with blessing, it will lead to being blessed. It will give us opportunity, and we need to be ready for that. But what about justice? What about the wrong that has been done against us? What about the fact that we've been treated unfairly? What's going to be done about that? Well, that, I think, is what Peter addresses in verses 18 to 22. And these are not easy verses to understand. You may well have picked that up from the reading. But the summary of them is reassurance 
that God will vindicate us. Repay evil with blessing. Be ready to give them a piece of your hope, leaving it to God to vindicate you. Yeah, vindication is very, very precious indeed. Yeah, the report, there's a report of a married couple who were on the Titanic. They had been rescued, and as they were on the lifeboat, the, the crew began to share with them about how they had lost everything. They'd lost their possessions, uh, they'd lost their livelihood, they were desperate. Uh, the husband was just overcome with gratitude. And he was so thankful that he promised to write each of the crew members a, a check for five pounds, which of course at, the, at that time uh, was a huge amount. Later in a memoir he wrote, at that moment, I would have given anything I possessed to anybody who wanted it. My heart was that full of thanksgiving that the two women in my charge and myself were safe. He did a, he did a, a good thing out of a good motive. But one crew member took a disliking to him and later claimed that, um, that this man had actually tried to bribe the crew to bribe them, to stop them uh, returning for other uh, survivors. Now, there was an inquiry in 1912. The man was found not guilty. He did not bribe the crew members. But as with stories like this, they, it, it stuck. It stuck to him like mud. And his whole life, he was faced with insults uh, and, uh, and dishonor. Uh, people wanted someone to blame, and a rich first-class passenger was the perfect fall guy. Anyway, a hundred years later, in 2012, yeah. unexpectedly, two holiday interns open up a cardboard box in the solicitor's office and find a trove of reports and documents confirming beyond any shadow of a doubt that this man was, in fact, innocent, that he had never done anything like bribe, vindication. And for his family, that was so precious, that was so welcome, they were delighted to hear it. Vindication is a precious, precious thing. And what we see here in these verses is that God is going to vindicate his people, his people who have been wronged, and insulted and slandered. So these verses tell the story of Christ's suffering and vindication, of his death as a criminal, and then his resurrection and ascension. Let me just show you that for, for a minute. So if you look at verse 18, we're told the story of Good Friday, when Christ suffered for sins and is put to death in the body. Then second half of verse 18, we're told the story of Easter Sunday. When Christ is made alive in the spirit, he's resurrected. Then verse 19 tells the story of how 40 days later, Christ ascends into heaven. That's what verse 19 is about. A tricky sounding verse on first reading, after being made alive, 
he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. Uh, this isn't, if you're interested, this isn't speaking of a Easter Saturday descent into hell. Uh, remember, this comes after Christ is made alive in the spirit. Rather, it's another angle on verse 22 of his ascension, his going into heaven, sitting down at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. I'm happy to talk uh, more uh, about that at any point. But here's the thing. Jesus suffers. He's raised, and then he ascends into heaven. And as he is, ascends into heaven, his righteousness, the fact that he did nothing wrong, is proclaimed everywhere to all spiritual authorities. It's proclaimed to all evil spirits past and present, to all angels good and bad, to every spiritual authority everywhere. He is vindicated. God says by doing this for him, he was innocent, he is righteous. And the reason that Peter tells us the story of Christ's suffering and vindication is because that is the fate for all of us who are in Christ. In other words, Peter is reassuring us. He's saying if we follow Christ's pattern of life now, if we repay evil with blessing, if we suffer unjustly, we can expect to be vindicated as he was. We too can expect to be raised. We too can be, expect that every wrong done against us will be made right on the day of Christ. We too can expect that every unfair insult leveled against us will be exposed and seen as such on the day of Christ. We can expect vindication. And when it comes to blessing those who do wrong against us, this is game-changing. This is life-transforming. Because it means that when we refuse to enroll in the school of vengeance, when we choose to leave things in God's hands, when we choose not to repay evil with evil, we're not foregoing injustice. We're not missing out on vindication. It will come. It did for Christ, and it will for us too, because our God is a God of justice. So as we close, I wonder who makes life difficult for you because you're a believer? Who is it? Whose uh, friendly banter of you as a Christian actually has quite a bit of a, an edge to it? Who has made it abundantly clear that because of your Christian faith, they do not like you and they do not respect you? Well, confident of God's future vindication, think through what can you do to bless? What good could you pray for them? What do they need that you could humbly help them with? Let's pray. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. 
on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Heavenly Father, we pray, please, that you would help us in this way to live like the Lord Jesus. Strengthen us by the power of the Spirit to follow in his footsteps. Give us courage, we pray. Help us. And we thank you that we can leave vindication in your hands. Just as you've vindicated the Lord Jesus, so you will vindicate all who are in him who have been wronged. Help us, we pray in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.